we talked about the third dangerous message last week, and we've been studying the book of Revelation chapter 14 the past few weeks. And we learned that the third third dangerous message, the beast, the mark of the beast, and the image of the beast, it's basically talking about worship. Worship is the key point. And uh, we learned what the word image or icon is in the Bible. And also we talked about how the keeping of the law of God as it is written in the Bible. That is really important. That is basically the main point of the third angel's message. And also we talked about how Revelation twelve seventeen says that the remnant of her seed, which keeps the commandment of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ, is the key point here. And as we continue on with our study of the third angel's message, my sermon title today is the third angel's message, part two. Not saying third, third angel's message has two different parts. I'm just saying I'm continuing on to explain what the third angel's message means. And if you study the Revelation 14, where it talks about the third angel's message, if you read uh, Revelation 14, verses 6 through uh, 13, talks about the three angel's message. But right after that, do you know what takes place? Meaning Revelation 14, 14 through uh, the, the end of the chapter, basically verse 20. What, what does that talk about? If you have your Bible, you can just flip through it and read. But verse 15, it talks about how um, then another angel came out of the temple of God, called in a loud voice to him to ho- who was sitting on the cloud, take your sickle and reap because a time to reap has come. So this here, right after the third angel's message has been proclaimed, the next scene in the Bible is someone holding the sickle and reaping. What does that mean? The time of harvest has come, meaning Jesus is coming. So on that light, that means the very last message that we need to proclaim just before his second coming is what message? The three angels' message. And specifically, which one? The third angels' message. That's the message that we need to proclaim. That is the message that we need to preach right now. Yes, at one point in history, um, when Noah was building the ark, the message was, you need to come inside the ark. That was the key message at that time. Time of Elijah, the message was, give up the idol, come back to the true God of Israel. That was the message. When John the Baptist came, his message was, was repent because the Messiah is here. Behold the Lamb which taketh away the sins of the world. That was the key message. When Jesus came and he preached the message, his key point, Jesus has so many different messages. I don't know which one to choose. <laughs> but John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. That was the message, right? But today, right now, what is the message? What is the key message? Yes, the gospel is one gospel. It has many different applications. And the present truth today is the third angel's message. It says, do not worship the beast or its image or receive the mark of the beast and worship the God of the creator. That is the message that we live in right now. And that is the message that we need to proclaim because that is the message that will be the last message that will be proclaimed just before his second coming. 
you know, it was not God's plan to delay his second coming. And how long has it been since Adam was created? How long has been the earth history? Roughly about 6,000 years, right? Do you think it was God's plan to delay all this long before he can come back and take us all back to heaven? No. I mean, there had to be certain way marks along the way that um, certain things had to happen, like Messiah had to come, and the prophecy had to be fulfilled, like, you know, the 2300-year prophecy that had to be fulfilled. And the time of end has already come. And from that time on, Jesus could have come any time, but it's been delayed and delayed and delayed. You know why it's getting delayed? Is it because Jesus is procrastinating and like, oh, let me fix up the mansion a little bit more and so I can get ready and can come back and get you. I need to pump the air in my tire so I can drive it. I need to change the oil so I can, I can drive the cloud uh, or the vehicle to transport you. No, it wasn't that. It wasn't God. Here is a quote that I want to share from Great Controversy, page 458, and it will be on the screen. It says, Israelites wandering in the wilderness for 40 years was not God's will. He led his people to the promised land. They refused to go in, not trusting God. So God had to wait for another generation to take on that task. So when the children of Israelites, they were getting into the promised land, the first time around, when Moses led them into the promised land, and he, they sent out 12 spies, and they came out, Caleb and Joshua came out, yes, we can go in. But all the other 10 spies said, you know what? They look like giants. We look like grasshoppers. There is no way we can go in. God has promised. He has given us this land. We can go in. No, they almost wanted to stone Moses at that time. And God said, you know what? Okay, I don't think you're ready. Turn around, go back to the wilderness. And how many years did they go around? Wondering? 40 years. For one day for a year. They ran around. 40 days of spying and 40 years of wandering around. Basically, God was waiting for that generation who said, no, we can't go in. We are not going to trust God. God was waiting for that generation to die out. So the new generation who is willing to trust God to go in to the promised land. So he says, another generation to take on that task. So has God been waiting for one generation to come up and proclaim the third angel's message to be preached into this world so he can finish the work? Work? Yes. And if that generation doesn't work, God has to wait for another generation to come. That's why we've been waiting all this time. And you know what? If you and I are not ready, guess what's going to happen? God has to wait for the next generation to come. So whose fault is it that we've been here this long? Is it God's fault? <laughs> no, it is our fault. It is our fault. And it's interesting to know that how the human history has been delayed all this time. And what you see like about the, about the, the racism and about the the looting, the riots, and all that's going on, the nonsense that's going on, it's all because of us not keeping the commandment of God. Did you know that? 
Did you know that? Specifically, which one? It's the Sabbath commandment. Here, uh, Great Controversy, page three, 437. It says, Had the Sabbath been universally kept, man's thoughts and affections would have been led to the Creator as the object of reverence and worship, and these would never have been, there would never have been an idolater, an atheist, or an infidel. The keeping of the Sabbath is a sign of loyalty to the true God, Him that made the heaven and earth and the sea and, fountain, and the fountains of, the, of waters. It follows that message which commands man to worship God and keep His commandments will especially call upon them to keep the fourth commandment. So had we, had we been keeping the Sabbath universally, then there would have been no what? Idolaters, atheists, infidels. People who don't believe in God. The theory of evolution, the theory of there's no God, there's nonsense, I don't believe in God, science, or all this violence, all that's going on, that, that was all caused because we forgot to keep the Sabbath and forgot the Creator God who gave us the Sabbath. That is the main reason to keep the Sabbath. Um, we need to sacrifice. Uh, but I think we, we make a less of a sacrifice than many people around the world. How many of you have to give up a lot to come to, worship, come to church or, or worship God on Sabbath? Do you sacrifice a lot? Is there anyone who says, you know what, you can't go to church on Sabbath and worship? Anyone who told you that? This week? No. But you know, there are many parts in the world, around the world, who actually make bigger sacrifice to keep the Sabbath. Uh, recently, like maybe was it last year, there were a group of uh, medical students that have finished their medical, uh, medical school. But the final exam to pass or to get the license to get a job or to, to, to get that um, license. It was on Saturday in Korea. So the students were devastated. The government set the date to be on Saturday so they couldn't take the exam unless they want to go and take the, take the exam on Sabbath. So they made requests and, and the whole church in, in uh, Avenue Church in Korea was praying for those individuals and so on. So in Korea, when I was growing up, we went to school on Sabbath, Saturday. Well, I didn't because I went to Adventist schools. But a lot of my friends, everybody went to school, public school, went to school six days a week, Saturday. So for you to graduate, you need to have a certain number of attendance. If you have too many absences, you can't graduate, right? So I know a lot of, a lot of my friends who went to school on, on five days a week, but they didn't go to school on Sabbath, meaning they couldn't graduate. Unless their, their teacher was nice enough to have them do makeup or something, something else, they couldn't graduate. Things like that happens. People, if you have a job, do you need to sacrifice something to, to keep your job, to come to church on Sabbath and in worship? In some cases, yes. In some cases, no. For many of you, if you need to close your business on Saturday, that's a lot of sacrifice. But many do. Some don't. Actually, many don't. Some in our church do. Some don't. 
So it's a sacrifice that we have to make. But you know what? That will be, there will be a greater sacrifice needed for us to keep the Sabbath when that time comes, when the persecution happens. Right now, it's, it's easier, but that time is coming. So Sabbath is the key point here. Sabbath. I mean, Sabbath is just not just which day, whatever day it is. It's actually the key point of the worship, key point of the great controversy. Because that's where it's waned. Who do you obey? That is the point. It's not just which day, Wednesday, Thursday. It's not just any day. Because it's the, it's, it's the, the problem, the part of obedience. That's what it comes What was the last contract that you signed? Did you buy a house? Did you buy a car? <laughs> Did you sign any contract for your job or anything? Let me ask you a question. When there is a contract between the two parties, how many contracts are there? How many copies of contracts are there? Just one? Two? Three? At least two. At least two. Sometimes the company would want to have three copies or two copies for whatever purposes. So you have like the, the white sheet, the, the pink sheet, and the yellow sheet, and you sign, and then you sign at the end, and you have the exact same copy for two parties to keep. That's the contract. Imagine you have two parties signing the contract, and one, there's only one copy. And one says, you know what? I'll have the copy. I'll keep this copy. If you ever want to look up the contract and, and, and have any questions, come see me. Do you think that makes sense? No. You can write anything else you want on the contract and say, you know what? You sign on this contract and I added something at the end, but you don't have your copy to prove it wrong. Right? So that doesn't make sense. Okay? Let me ask you a question. The contract that God signed... Something, the document that God signed to humanity, which is called the Ten Commandments. Where is that copy? Where was that copy kept the whole time in, in human history? When God gave it to Moses, he took the two tablets of stone and he placed it where? Inside the Ark of the Covenant, which is inside of what building? The temple, the sanctuary. That was there. But if that is a contract between God and people, shouldn't there be another copy? Where is the other copy? Okay. So the Ark of the Covenant has two copies. I'm not talking about two tablets of stone. Two tablets of stone is containing the Ten Commandments. I'm talking about two exact same copies in two different locations. What? What are you talking about, Pastor? It's not in the Bible. <laughs> okay. Let's just talk about this first. Um, so, one copy of the tablets was here in the earthly sanctuary, and the other copy of the Ten Commandments was in the heavenly sanctuary. Is that true? Really? Okay, so Revelation eleven nineteen. it says, And the temple of God was opened in heaven, and there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament. So, is there a sanctuary in heaven? Is there a sanctuary in heaven? 
Yes, there is a sanctuary in heaven, right? As a matter of fact, that's what Moses saw, and that's what he modeled to make his earthly sanctuary. That was the original one, and he made a copy here on earth, right? So Hebrews 8.5, it says, Who served the copy and shadow of the heavenly things as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle? For he said, See that you make all things according to the pattern shown to you on that mountain. And if you read on in Hebrews 9.4, there are tablets of stone in the earthly sanctuary. So does that mean that the heavenly sanctuary is the original of what Moses made a copy of? Yes. And in the earthly sanctuary, he placed the two tablet stones, meaning in the heavenly sanctuary, there should be the original of what? The Ten Commandments, the tablets of stone. So when God carved out the, temp- the, the tablets of stone and gave them to Moses, he just didn't write it with his fingers and gave them to Moses and said, okay, here you go, here's the copy. This is the original and this is the only thing. No. When God made the copy for Moses, he said, okay, here is a copy for you, and I'm keeping a copy for me. I'm going to keep this in the heavenly sanctuary. And you look at this, and then go back and make exactly the same way how you see it here. And Moses said, okay, okay, I'll do that. And Moses came back, and that's exactly what he did. Okay, so there is a copy up in heaven that places the heavenly copy of the Tablet, uh, the, the, the tablets of stone. Okay, so here, uh, early writings, page 251 and 252. It says this. I was then beaten to take notice of the two apartments of the heavenly sanctuary. This is Ellen White seeing the vision. The veil was lifted, and I looked into the second apartment. I saw there, the, there an ark which had the appearance of being the finest gold. As a border around the top of the ark was most beautiful work represented, representing crowns. In the ark were ta- tablet, tables of stone containing the Ten Commandments. So here Ellen White confirms that in the heavenly sanctuary, there is a sanctuary. And in the second apartment, which is the most holy place, there is the ark. And inside the ark, there are two tablets of stone containing what? The Ten Commandments. So here is the contract that God has signed between Moses and God and saying, this is what you need to keep, and this is the copy that I'm going to be keeping. That's what's happening. That's the picture that we need to see. The heavenly sanctuary and the earthly sanctuary, okay? Now, And this sanctuary, the earthly sanctuary, contains the Ark of the Covenant, the Ten Commandments. But you know what? There is another sanctuary. You know which sanctuary that is? There is another sanctuary that we need to think about. That sanctuary is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 3.16. The Bible says this. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 says... Do you not know that you're, you are the temple of God, that the Spirit of God dwells in you? So friends, what is another temple? Our bodies. We are the temple of God. And friends, 
A temple without the Ark of the Covenant. What's the focus? Something else is the focus. We think about how beautiful the temple looks. We think about how shiny it looks and what, what adornments we put on, what things that we, 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 we decorate with. That's what we think about. But if you think about it, the key point, the, the center, the most important, the base of the tabernacle, the temple, is what? The most holy place. And in the center of the most holy place is the Ark of the Covenant. And in the Ark of the Covenant, what is inside? Under the mercy seat, under where the Shekinah glory resides, it rests. It, in, it contains the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Covenant, well, Ark of the, Covenant the, the commandment of God. The covenant of God is there. So our body, if our body is the temple of God, the most important part that we need to keep in our mind, in our brain, in our head, in our frontal lobe is what? The Ark of the Covenant, the commandment of God. That's what Satan is trying to mess up. That's what he's trying to erase, delete, change. And in that among the four, the Ten Commandments, what's in the center? What has the glory shining? What has the seal of God that has His name, His dominion, His power, everything? What, which commandment has that? According to what Ellen White saw in the vision, which commandment has His name and His glory shining? It was the fourth commandment, the Sabbath commandment. That's what we need to keep. Many people think, you know what, we go to church on Sunday. What's the problem? You guys go to church on Saturday. What's, I mean, what's the difference? No, it's the difference of the, like, night and day. It's, it, it makes all the difference because it's the, talking about the obedience, the worship, which God you choose, which idol you follow. Do you follow God of the Creator or do you follow this image that is trying to distort the commandment of God? He's trying to downplay the importance of the Sabbath commandment. Oh, this is nothing. Just change a little bit here and there. But no, the key point is the Sabbath. And how we keep the Sabbath. My friends, that is the key point of the sanctuary message. That is the key point of the third angel's message. That is the key point of worship. That is the last message that we need to preach before the second coming of Jesus. And, 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 and uh, Exodus 25 verse 8 says this. Let them make a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. So God, when God gave this message to Moses and says, Moses, look at this pattern and make a sanctuary for me so I may dwell among them. And he built a sanctuary. But does that apply to only that tent that he built? This verse applies to all of us individually. When we build a sanctuary, then who will dwell in us? God. God's Spirit will dwell in us. That's the tabernacle, the sanctuary that we need to build. That is the image that God wants to see in us. That is the message that we need to proclaim to the end of the world. And that is how we can have the character of God. That's how we can be ready for His soon coming. That's how we can go back home. Until that time, God has to wait for the next generation to come up and the next generation to come up. How long are we going to wait here on earth?
And friends, here is the, here is the hope that we have. Uh, Jeremiah 31, 33. For this is the co- covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after these days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will t- write it on their hearts, and I will, I'll be their God, and they shall be my people. Here God is saying, if you let me, I will write, I'll put my law where? Within them. It is not just to be written in the tablets of stone and placed in the Ark of the Covenant in the temple. Yes, it's there. It's, it's shiny. It's, it's glorious. It's beautiful. Yes. But the more important part is that that law has to be written where? In our hearts. Ezekiel 36, 26. Uh, I will give you a new heart and put a, put a new spirit in you and I will remove your Remove from you your heart of stone and give you a new heart of flesh. And my friends, that is the key message of the third angel's message. And friends, whoever tries to change this, they are making a a, a wrong effort. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. Why? Uh, I, talked to, I told you about the, the, the contract, right? So if you have a contract, you bought a car, you love the car, you, loved, you, you bought a house, or you, you'd love it, but then, you know what, I love the house, but I don't like the, the payment, the mortgage that I have to pay. I want to change the amount. <laughs> I need to pay $4,000 every month. Oh, this is too much. Let me just take one zero out. Let me just pay $400 a month. And if you change and, and erase one zero from your contract, does that work? No. Your bank will say, you know what, <laughs> Mr. Bay, <laughs> your contract says 400, but here at my contract says 4,000. I'm sorry, you made a mistake there. <laughs> that doesn't work that way. No matter what you do to try to change your contract, this contract, the other one that I have, keeps the original, and it's not going to work. And it works vice versa. Whatever I try to change, your payment is for 30 years. No, I want to change to 50 years, so you have to pay for 50 years. No, I can come up from my side and say, you know what? My contract says 30 years. After 30 years of payment, that is, that is done. That house belongs to me. You need to hand over the paper. Same thing. No matter whoever is trying to change the law here, here on earth, guess what? There is another copy up in heaven. And God says, no, no, no. Whatever you try to change here on earth, that is not going to work because I have a copy, exact same copy that I gave it to, to you through Moses. And here is the copy. And here, uh, found in uh, Bible Commentary, Volume 7, page 972. It says this. It's a little small, but those who are seeing on the screen, you can see it better. Sacrilegious minds and hearts have thought they were, they, they were mighty enough to change the times and laws of Jehovah. But safe in the archives of heaven, in the ark of God, are the original commandments written upon the two tablets of stone. No, no patent on earth has power to draw forth those tablets from their sacred hiding place beneath the mercy seat. So they were no matter how, whoever, paper Rome, pagan Rome, or, 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 or whoever that may be, Satan, or, or Lucifer, or any other power on earth, 
trying to change the laws, trying to change the commandments of God, guess what? That is not going to work because God has the original copy up in heaven. And not only that, in First uh, Bible Commentary, Volume 1, 1109, it says, Do not place your influence against God's commandments. The law is just as Jehovah wrote in the temple of, of heaven. Man may trample upon its copy here below, but the original is kept in the ark of God in heaven. And on the cover of his ark, right above the law, is the mercy seat. Jesus stands right, right there before the ark to meditate for man, for, to mediate for man. So when Jesus is he in, in heaven, he is mediating for, on our behalf right now in the most holy place. Guess where he's standing? He's standing right next to that Ark of the Covenant where it keeps the original copy of the commandment of God. And he is mediating on our behalf. Meaning, whatever we do here on earth, our actions will be judged upon that commandment of God. And whatever we try to change the law of God and say, you know what, it is okay to lie. It is okay to go to church on Sabbath. It is okay to go to church on Sunday. It is okay to cheat. It is okay to covet Whatever we do, no. Jesus is standing right next to that original law that has not been tampered, that has not been changed, that has not been altered, and says, this is the standard. This is the ruler that I'm using to measure everyone's, everyone's action, and this is the judgment. That's what's happening. You know, the Ark of the Covenant, where is the Ark of the Covenant right now? Here on earth. <laughs> no, when Solomon built a temple, <clears throat> he built a temple and he placed the Ark of the Covenant in the, in the middle of it. And God's glory came and he accepted the temple and so on. It was great. After a few hundred years, it just vanished, disappeared. Does the Bible talk about where it is? The Bible doesn't tell you where the Ark of the Covenant is right now. And guess what? A lot of people are, are thinking. The second book of Maccabee, which is the part of Apocrypha, which is not part of the six, six books of the Bible, it's just uh, outside of the Bible. In Maccabee chapter 2, second Maccabee chapter 2, talks about how, how Jeremiah is asked to take the Ark of the Covenant and hide it somewhere before the destruction of the temple by the Babylonians. Um, but Ellen White does not sanction that, meaning... What was done is correct. Ellen White does not mention who did that. So we don't know if it is Jeremiah or somebody else. We don't know. Ellen White just says, some righteous people, it was revealed to them what was going to happen, and they, they kept it in a sacred place. And you know what? Some other people believe it differently. There is a place called, uh, uh, you know, I, before I talk about that, there is a famous movie that was uh, produced in 1981. Uh, famous movie about finding the, the lost Ark of the Covenant. You know that movie? Like, I really enjoyed watching that movie too, but long time ago. Um, the series of uh, finding different things. Um, young people may not know what that means, <laughs> but that, that movie. Uh, <clears throat> and we, we have this idea of, okay, what if we find that Ark of the Covenant or the, the Ark, of, Ark of Noah um, and, and all the things, but in, in Ethiopia, there is a chapel called uh, Exum Chapel in Ethiopia. And, and it is said that 
The Ark of the Covenant was removed there 3,000 years ago, and this is the building, 3,000 years ago, and that is kept inside the temple, and no one can go in and out. Like, people, the monks who were designated for that place, they, since the time they were, they were ordained to be there to do that job, they cannot take the foot uh, step out of that place until they die. They live in there until they die, and they, they are like the guardians of that place. They believe that the Ark of the Covenant is resting in that place. And that's how they, if you go to Ethiopia, you can find that place. You can look it up online. For 3,000 years. But my friends, I'm sorry, that's not the place where the Ark of the Covenant is. How do I know? Because Ellen White says so. <laughs> Here. <clears throat> um, there are so many different paragraphs that I, that I can share, that I would like to share. I got this from the uh, Ellen White's uh, um, yeah, estate. But um, four selected message. Oh, no, four uh, selected message. No. S- um, spiritual gift. Four spiritual gift. Page 456, 457. It says this. While these words of holy trust ascend to God and clouds sweep back and the starry heavens are seen, unspeakable glorious in contrast with the black and, ang- and angry firmament of each either side, the glory of heaven is beaming from the gates ajar. There, then there appears against the sky a hand holding two tablets of stone folded together. The hand opens the tables and there are revealed the precepts of the Decalogue, meaning the Ten Commandments, traced as with a pen of fire, the words are so plain that all can read them. Memory is aroused, and the darkness of superstition and heresy is swept from every mind. And God's ten words, brief, comprehensive, and authoritative, presented to the view of all the inhabitants of the earth. So here... The Ten Commandments are hidden in view right now. And guess when it will appear? Ellen White doesn't say it will be the, fir- the second coming of Jesus or the third coming of Jesus. We don't know for sure. But it, I'm, I'm leaning toward more of the second coming of Jesus because it says when the firmament disappears, when you cannot see the blue sky any longer, and in that angry heaven you see the glory of god shining and the firmament or the starry stars on either side and a hand bringing forth the two tablets of stone so clear so adamant opening up the commandments of god to the people who violated god's commandment all this time who changed god's god's commandment all this time and says this is a commandment of god and god will show it to them to everyone can read and that covenant is hidden right now. And that will come. Whoever said, I found the covenant, covenant of God, Ark of the Covenant. You know what? That's fake. <laughs> That's not true. And imagine what it will be like when... Uh, When that time comes, when that time comes, when, when that hand comes and shows the covenant of God and says that the covenant of God that has been hidden 
in history all this time. And, and the covenant of God is appearing to everyone, says that this is the key point. The fourth commandment, the Sabbath commandment, is what you need to keep, what you need to know, what you need to change into. When God is ready to write the covenant of God into our heart, which is the new covenant, the old covenant people couldn't keep. They said, we'll keep the covenant of God. But before Moses came down, they were worshiping the idol, the, 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 the calf, the golden calf already. Right? They broke the law just like that. And we do the same. But when we are ready to keep the covenant of God, then God is going to write a new covenant in our hearts, in our minds. And that becomes the sanctuary. And we become we can live the third angel's message. And God is waiting for us to live the third angel's message. When that happens, God can come to take us back home. God has been waiting all this time, waiting all this time. But he, his time is coming to an end very soon. If you and I are not ready, God is going to raise up some other people. He's going to say, these stones will cry out. The rocks will cry out. And if you and I, who've been growing up, who've been living all this time, who've been keeping, coming to this Adventist church and say, we are the remnant church, we have the truth, and we have been coming to this church all this time, but if we are sleeping, if you are not waking up until that time, Jesus might have to find some other sheep from another group from the Catholic Church, from the Baptist group, from the Muslim group, from another religion, from who knows what, from the atheist group who is willing to believe in the last cry, the last message, the third angel's message, and say, God, I'm willing, just like the thief on the cross, the last minute, they say, God, I'm ready. Please choose me. And they would be the last generation to enter into the promised land. Friends, this is a solemn message that we have. How many of you are willing to pray to God and say, God, please take away the stone of my heart, stony heart, and please give me a flesh and write in my heart your law, your covenant. Give me the tablets of stone in my heart so that the law of God can be written in my heart and we can be the sanctuary and we can live the three angels' message. How many of you want to do that? May God bless us and help us to be the sanctuary for God and keep the covenant of God in our heart, not in a building, not in the church that we go to, not in our Bibles that we have, but the covenant of God, the Ten Commandments, the Sabbath, the Creator God will be written in our heart. So when somebody sees our face, they don't see us, but they see Jesus shining, reflecting through our face. May all of us be that light for God so that God can come and take whoever looks like Him. Resemblance. May God find the resemblance of God's image in us so that we can all go home. Let us pray. Our Father God in heaven, 
Lord, we thank you so much for giving us the three angels' message, the third angel message especially, Lord, to challenge us not to worship the beast and the image of the beast, but worship the true God of creation and have the, the commandment of God, the Sabbath, the image of God written in our heart so that we can be the sanctuary. We can have the presence of God. We can have the Holy Spirit in us, Lord. Lord, God is waiting for that generation to be ready, to ripe, so that he can come and take us back home. Are we holding this back, Lord? Please forgive our sins. Please change us. Prepare us for your soon coming. Help us to reflect your character in our image. Help us to have that law written in our heart so that we can live the third angel's message. We can proclaim this very last message just before your coming. Please change us, Lord. Prepare us, Lord. Let not other people take away our position, our place in heaven so that we can go home and be the last generation and we can celebrate up in heaven with you. Say that, Lord, you have given us your character and we reflect you. We are not worthy. We don't deserve this, but Lord, with your blood, with your sacrifice, we can do this. You have called us. So Lord, please change us. Make us your people. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Christine, please come on up.